Welcome, everyone, to the Solutions Brewing Podcast. I'm Brandon Pipa. I'm here with my two colleagues and co-owners, Rob Kaltruck, Stephen Sock. And today we're going to be talking about a subject that I know relatively little about, which is a stuck mash or stuck launder. I guess just to give a little context on why I know very little about this, I started my home brewing with Brewing a Bag, which has, uh, as a one-pot system, some advantages. But uh, one of the disadvantages is you kind of grow up in ignorance a little bit. So with that, I'll hand it over to uh, Rob to explain what we're talking about and why it matters. Sure. I guess maybe some terminology for people that don't know is um, the, the mash is where you're soaking the grain in water. So you're basically just steeping grains. It's like making sugary tea. But there's like a, an interchangeable term. And sometimes like I got confused when hearing this one too, is sometimes you hear people that they're lottering or mashing. I was like, what the heck is a lottery or a lotter ton or a mash ton? And it's it's really the same thing. It's just another fancy way of saying it. But really, when, when you're talking about stuck mashes, it's not really the mash itself that gets stuck because it's just grain soaking. It's when you're trying to get all that liquid, that wort, out of your mash tun, your lauder tun, into your boil kettle. And there are different methods for doing that. Some use a whirlpool where it's actually the water's actually spinning around. Now, I don't have any fancy equipment or like recirculation to create a whirlpool, so my stuff is literally all just sitting at the bottom of, of my mash tun. But uh, depending on what grains you use, like if I'm making a beer with, uh, I really like this malt, uh, the Red Shed Amber Malt. It's super tasty, gives a nice color and lots of flavor. But it gets very, uh, I guess, gummy is the way to take it. It's almost like oatmeal if you have too much of it. And uh, what happens is it plugs up the screen and uh, it gets stuck when I'm trying to extract, uh, when I'm trying to extract uh, the wort sometimes. <clears throat> so, I mean, ways that I've tried to get around it is, uh, I mean, the first time it happens, you're just you're just totally pooched. There's nothing you can do about it. It's just like, you're stuck, you're stuck. And you're hoping that uh, you didn't use so much of this, like, weird malt or whatever that uh, that's totally gummed up the system. Whereas I've, I've been able to take, like, a large spoon or a mash paddle and just kind of, like, give everything a re-stir to kind of try and resettle everything, move things out of the way. And also your your flow rate, if you try to go too fast... I found that uh, it'll pack the grain too tight and uh, and the water won't get through. Your like grain bed filter will basically be way too tight. The over filter. <laughs> so filter just blocks. <laughs> so like kind of like figuring out the rate for yours. And I found that uh, like I have a ball valve on my mash ton. I find if I just open it halfway, that ends up being perfect. So it's kind of something that people can watch out for. The other way is uh, if you know that you're going to have trouble... So you can add stuff that doesn't add anything to the beer, like uh, rice hulls or something, which are basically just straw <laughs> you're adding, adding at the bottom. And it's just meant to uh, act as an additional uh, blocker or protective cover for your, your little mesh or your false bottom to help it go through. But so, yeah. ge so generally it happens when you have like a high specialty malt count, not usually when you're doing your, like your, your basic two row or six row or Munich kind of kind of base it's when you get into like the weird specialty stuff right pretty much yeah I, I think it's more with malts that have like really high protein like oats in this amber malt i don't know what it is that's in it but yeah it just gets like it gets very thick like an oatmeal or a gruel you know what i'm talking about like it gets a like super thick consistency and yeah it just the, the water just can't flow through it okay yeah, because uh, like Brendan, uh, since we did start off very similarly, uh, I also 
have <laughs> in my home brewing experience have never experienced this because it's all been uh, brew in a bag. Though there is sometimes when you're trying to get the most, like when you're um, you're sparging and you're trying to get as much of that wort out, you usually it'll get trapped. If you you're right, if it's a high specialty gun, you you get that oatmeal consistency in the bag. But at that point, since you have a mesh a mesh bag around it, you can usually just you know spoon the crap out of it and mix some water in there and get it squeezed out so oh, yeah. you can pick up and squeeze the bag it's harder to do that when you have a mash ton um the <laughs> significant <laughs> extra surface area you have with the bag is is a benefit there so again kind of grew up in ignorance about this because you always just let the bag drip for a while and you end up with what you need <laughs> but but that's super convenient because i've never done the the brew in a bag before so how do you end up watering and or sparging well, Steve, you should explain this because you kind of taught me how to do it. So yeah, so usually, so like what you'll do is like you'll pull like once you've done your your initial mash, like you'll pull out the bag and you'll try and let drip or squeeze out as much uh, water as you can, and then again because you're uh, like you want as much hot water in there to collect as much sugar as possible, and also not to let your boil time go to, you know, you're not starting with warm water going on boiling water. You, I usually have a pot of, you know, probably two liters worth or so very hot water that I'll then pour. I'll have my fermenter there, like so my cleaned fermenter that I will be putting the beer in later. So I'll put the bag in there and I'll pour the water on top and I'll top it up a little bit just to cover the bag and just give it a little swish, a little swirl and let it sit while I start getting what I extracted originally from the mash up to boil. And then I'll just repeat that process uh usually about three three times in total until I get up to my pre-boil volume. So usually I try and get about seven gallons if I'm doing a five and a half gallon batch. So you you, uh, you boil off quite a bit then. Yeah, I, I, I tend to find it depends on, again, the efficiency and all that kind of stuff because sometimes I'm getting you no know, high. Like I'll stop earlier if I see the color of the sparge liquid is still pretty dark. I won't boil off as much, but if it's getting pretty light, I'll uh, I'll just boil off a little bit more because all it adds is you know another 15, 20 minutes to the top of the boil, and then once I hit my six and a half gallons, then I'll do my first uh, hop addition if I'm doing a hot hop addition. Yeah, so like typically I only sparge up to the six or six and a half gallon for for a five gallon batch, um, but that's mostly because I'm lazy and I don't like swinging that bag around all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I, I usually sparge a little bit more just so it can boil down a little bit. It's just so I hit my targets because every once in a while I'll miss it by, you know, a couple specific gravity units worth. I'll be, you know, instead of hitting 10, 5, 3, I'll hit 10, 5, 0. Oh, and it's like, okay, like I could have sparged a little bit more and gotten where I needed to. But yeah, but as a result, like they, you know, <laughs> a stuck mash sort of thing is you know, until kind of a commercial, like looking more into commercial stuff, it's like, oh, this is a big problem. Oh. <laughs> yeah, especially when you can't just uh, swing a big bag around or or even in my case, you can't just uh, you can't just take a mash paddle and sh shift things around. This is too much volume. No, plug plugged pipe is a, is a real issue. <laughs> <laughs> or, well, it'd be a plug screen, I guess, at this point. Plugged filter. Very, very 
so I'll admit I went into this discussion with a kind of a misconception about what we were going to talk about because there there's a, a process, a, a, an enzyme change process that's happening during the mash, and there's the potential for that yep. to be either halted prematurely or to to lose that based on on temperature. Is that something that you guys have any experience in kind of either identifying or working with or I have never tried to identify it, although I've read some tests that you can do on your homebrews. Uh, no, you know what? I haven't had, I haven't noticed any problems with that. It's just like managing temperature, right? Uh, yeah. Now I just use a little igloo cooler for my homebrew. So it's kind of, um, I don't have any way of really managing temperature other than just whatever hot water you put in and you hope it doesn't like fade out. But the only, the only reason I've ever had heat fade out is because I haven't had, didn't have the lid closed properly. Other, otherwise it holds temperature just fine what do you usually use for strike temperature then do you do you kind of just go with whatever you want your mash to be or do you elevate it a little bit uh my strike i go um like the the water that i put into the grain is 80 and then i usually uh with the with all the grain and uh the temperature of the ton uh, that usually drops to about 70 hmm. so mm -hmm. it'll sit at 70 and yeah. then uh, it'll be there for an hour and then it usually comes out i usually get it about 68 so usually i only lose like a couple degrees in in, uh, in the full hour that uh, that's sitting there mm -hmm. yeah everything's just kind of warming up the grain as opposed to losing it through through the ton again i've never actually done any testing but it's one of those things that i've kind of considered trying is it just setting it up and then taking little samples uh, at different times to see if you actually need the full hour for the conversion or if there's further optimization that can be done on that process just to kind of speed things up i imagine it's different for every beer but yeah, no, there there are some really quick ones i was reading this was a few months ago but there are guys that um they'll only do like a 40 minute mash or less because like that's the thing with all like 90% of the greens that you will use in your your process are already ready to be you know be put into mash like they're they're ready to go like they don't need like a two-step or a three-step process so generally you can just throw everything you have in and and go to town but yeah I, I've read ones that they basically do like a 40 minute mash and like they still get their full conversion they get their target uh pre-boil uh specific gravity and then they just go from there that's interesting well something i think worth exploring for the the broader commercial application i mean if you can like time is money once you get to that scale right so anytime you can shave off a little bit for either just heating or insulation or anything yeah it's... and like there's even you know guys now because like you know the Kavex uh yeast strain so because it does so well with with temperature and with time like it, it really attenuates really really fast um guys are doing i think it's like weak brews that they'll brew do the yeast and then like cold crash it keg it in the week and their product is good like I, I, there was one in the u.s i think it was in oregon i'd have to look up the the brewery that was doing it but yeah all their brews instead of like the standard three to four weeks for you know from start to finish of, of a beer they were doing it in a week now there's time is money <laughs> absolutely yeah well i mean you're cutting the whole process down by half but yeah they had to use that yeast they weren't making anything too complex like it was a fairly like it was a pilsner malt or a two-row malt like it wasn't anything too complex in that and like no dry hopping not, nothing like that so yeah that that's you know if, when our physical location opens we can kind of experiment with absolutely yeah. we got some simple beers that don't have a lot of uh, complex mash processes or very special grains though i'm sure we can make something work there yeah so that's why we got to have that uh, that tap at the at the front do an a b testing 
So we'll, we'll test like standard beer, we'll test the fast beer, and then we'll get people to just be like, which one do you like better? You never know. Yeah, that's, I think that's the part I'm most excited for about opening your own place is just being able to have time and capacity. And, and, uh, I wanted to use the word guinea pigs, but I don't want to call people guinea pigs. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, have have a bunch of testers or people willing to uh... willing testers is a good way to go. Yeah, <laughs> no guinea pigs here. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, we're not going to try to round any, everybody up in the back and chain them down and try force feed them beer or anything like that. But, <laughs> uh, because I mean that because that's the fun part, right? The experimentation is fun. It's fun to try new things, you know. And and of course, you also want people to like it too. It's not a lot of fun to make something that nobody wants to touch. <laughs> Actually, that's probably a good topic for next time. Uh, going over our uh, our failures or something like that. Well, uh, <laughs> times you made a beer and you went, oh, dear God, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like that. Tune in next time or some later time when we talk about our fuck ups. Yeah. <laughs> And everyone screws up, so don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> everyone does. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry. Let me rephrase that. When we talk about our learning experiences, learning experiences. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, I definitely learned something today about stuck mash, stuck launders. Um, yep. Um, so did I. Stuck lauder. Uh, I'm glad I haven't run into that problem a lot, but I can definitely see why it would be a pain. Any other closing thoughts? No, only if uh, if anyone has questions or if they want to tell their own story, they can always email us at noproblems at solutionsbrewing.com. We'd be happy to hear from every from anybody and everybody. Absolutely. Anybody and everybody. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next time. Yep, talk to you guys next time. Yeah.